Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott, alongside as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, hey, you uh, you caught me just as I was coming home from the gym. That's right, <laughs> working out hard, uh, all sweaty. But uh, if anybody sees these video clips for this yeah. episode, man, I apologize. I'm uh, a little red in the face and uh, beards all over the place. So. Uh, Oof. Real humble well, you know brag there, Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going for. <laughs> um, just <laughs> ballpark figure. What do you think? About three, three hundred and fifteen. No, I can't bench press that much. But uh, yeah. So uh, no, anyway, uh, just apologies in advance uh, for having to look at my face. And what were you doing at the gym today? What what, uh, what were you working on? Oh, you know, we were doing some deadlifts, some uh, pull-ups, then, uh, I don't know, a bunch of other stuff that doesn't have as fun-sounding names. But, okay. uh, yeah, I got a sweat on, and uh, it's good. Not not oh. hard to do in uh, end of July here. <laughs> no. But uh, it was good. It was yeah, good. Easy to get a sweat on when you are sweating. Uh, from walking from the car to the gym, uh, you know, it's easy to continue that uh, once you start working out. <laughs> very true, Sean. I walk to the gym. Thank you very Even much. Better. Even <laughs> better. It has cooled off here, I'll say, in the nation's capital a little bit. I uh, didn't need to sleep with the fan directly on me last night. Uh, which is an improvement hey. over the past few days. So uh, it's getting a little better here, but uh, hopefully everyone is enjoying some of the summer weather as much as you can out there across the country and around the world. Uh, it's always a fun time. And Scott, as you're in the gym for what, seven, eight weeks from opening night at the Ottawa Curling Club, you got to get that off season work in. Although I don't know exactly. why you need to, because you're moving to skip. So uh, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to be the best sweeping skip at the club. That's my goal. All the other skips are 70 years old. So uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. All right. So uh, middle of summer, we don't typically have a lot of curling news, but the news fairy has come out in droves this week in the world of North American curling, at least. And let's start with the story that has gotten a lot of social media attention, but that I don't fully understand. This is the USA Curling Association's decision to kick out GNCC from the USA Curling. Scott, what exactly is going on here from what you've read about it? So, And who, and, uh, and who is GNCC too? Yeah, so the, the Grand National Curling Club, GNCC, is basically like an association of clubs within the U S that is a member body of USA curling. So there's a bunch of different uh, associations like in Canada, right? Our provincial associations, all are form curling Canada. They're all a subsidiary to it. Uh, so the GNCC uh, is mostly on the East coast, bunch of curling clubs. Uh, I think they say over 5,000 or 5,000 curlers, 70 clubs in their, 
region and they have been expelled by USA curling. And from what I can understand, obviously I'm not an expert on this and we will effort to get somebody on who can talk to it uh, at a little more detail than we can is that GNCC wasn't paying their membership fees to USA curling uh, during the pandemic because they didn't have any money because uh, no one was curling and right. because they weren't following the bylaw of paying the the dues, then uh, they were unanimously voted uh, out right. of USA curling. And the GNCC is a lot more focused on grassroots curling in the East coast where their member clubs are. It, it's much, much more recreational get players out curling, whereas USA curling of late, especially has been more focused on the high performance area. And so there, there's a balance to be struck between the two. Uh, but it, it seems like there's a bit of a, some friction between these two groups anyway. Uh, and yeah. that's how it went. So like I say, we'll try to find a better person to talk to this than us. And if I'm miss, uh, you know, misrepresenting at all, please uh, let us know on yeah. social media and we'll, we'll correct it. Yeah, we, we certainly want to get this right. We're not there. We don't know a lot of the specifics, but from, from what we've been able to ascertain that uh, the tension between GNCC and USA Curling is not new and that GNCC, as you say, in terms of the fees, hasn't disbarred clubs who haven't paid the fees because they haven't been playing during the pandemic for a variety of reasons, not least of which is certain arena clubs just haven't been able to get ice time during yeah. the pandemic or arenas have closed or whatever it is. So th- there's there, there's a lot going on there. Uh, as Scott says, we will uh, endeavor to get somebody on to talk about it. Uh, I would not be surprised either at some point uh, in the future as this all plays out, if uh, our friends over at Rocks Across the Pond perhaps wade into this as well. Certainly Jonathan has a lot uh, of experience with USA Curling. Uh, Ryan is down there. Uh, so, uh, you know, I know they're on a bit, they're, they're a bit of a break, uh, right now, uh, but I, I would imagine at some point they'll talk about it as well as as we hope to in the future. But yeah, some some big news out there at GNCC, and uh, I'll tell you, or with GNCC, and I'll tell you, uh, full credit to our friends at Palmetto Curling Club, uh, who are really having a good time uh, with this on social media, making making the most of a bad situation and having a good time, uh, or at least making as light of it as possible. For sure. And uh, yeah, let's just hope that uh, curling will continue, uh, you know, under the GNCC and whatever happens, let's just hope people are able to get back to curling as safely as possible and as soon as possible. Yeah. And, we, and we've seen some people here weigh in on it too. I saw a tweet from Darren Molding talking about how there's a certain level in his view of hypocrisy amongst some of the curling bodies uh, relative to some of the bylaws and the rules that are in place that hurt the people who want to play the most. And mm-hmm. I, I think we see some tension, certainly here in Canada, between the high-level, you know, Olympic-level performance, those type of programs, and the grassroots. And it's unfortunate that the idea that we want to put forth in, in these various associations 
high level players who can win Olympic medals, who can win world championships, but also support the grassroots. It's unfortunate that that somehow is in conflict because I really think those the those things can work in concert with each other and frankly need to work in concert with each other for yeah. the overall well-being of the sport. But no one is, at least in North America, has really figured this out uh, to anyone's real satisfaction. Uh, you know, USA Curling has, has gotten a lot of criticism over the past few years, certainly. And uh, Curling Canada is, in their effort to try to walk this fine line, seems to be dissatisfying high-level players and a lot of the member associations across the country. So it's it's not easy, certainly, uh, but uh, these discussions uh, are ongoing, and I'm sure we will see significant changes over the next few years to high-performance programs uh, and, and how they relate to the grassroots game and whether or not the two are related at all at some point or if they're mm-hmm. just completely separated out. Yeah, it's tough because, you know, the one – the high performance gets all the coverage and, and needs money for sure. Yeah. But the grassroots also needs money too. And it's, it, you're right. It's hard to balance that. And uh, we'll see how, how that balance is adopted uh, the next quadrennial and then uh, going forward after that. Yeah. Cause there, there are questions at play too. I think uh, Justin, uh, is it McKenney or McC- He's a CBC reporter in BC. He, he had a tweet yesterday about an abandoned curling club. And I saw it might have been Palmetto too. said something about Canada has more abandoned curling clubs than the USA has curling clubs in general. But it, it is an issue in this country, certainly, that facilities are closing and, and memberships are, aren't, certainly aren't increasing. And uh, so, so there are going to be questions that, that need to be asked. So uh, we will continue to follow this story. And as we say, try to get somebody from uh, GNCC on. And we'll also reach out to USA Curling and, and see what we can put together. So that's what's going on south of the border. The big news in the world of curling north of the border, Scott, is that for the first time in eight years, and by my count, only the fourth time ever, a seat is open in the TSN booth as Cheryl Bernard, who is, of course, the CEO of Canada Sports Hall of Fame out in Calgary, has announced that she will not be returning to TSN this upcoming season. Her responsibilities with the Hall of Fame, as well as just some family obligations, or not even obligations, but family things she wants to do, uh, certainly taking priority in her life. We've seen that over the past couple of years. She hasn't been at every event, hasn't been uh, as as present as uh, Vic and Russ have been. And that makes sense when you're the CEO of a major organization that takes a lot of time uh, out of your day. I think it was fortunate for Cheryl that uh, the bubble was probably like a five-minute walk from her office. That I think worked out quite nicely for her uh, yeah. back in 2020. But Scott, what was your reaction to the news that Cheryl Bernard is going to be leaving our screens? Oh, I thought uh, that's too bad. But uh, like you say, she's not been there for every event. So, you know, she was very good when she was in the booth with, the uh, you know, brokering between... <laughs> Russ and Vic, <laughs> uh, which is in itself not an not an easy job, and provided some really good insight and a, a bit of a different perspective than we got from Linda uh, yeah. before, who was her predecessor. So it, she was very good in the booth, uh, very good on TV, um, very good with her colleagues. 
So it'll be it'll be a loss, and it will be pretty tough to replace. I think. Yeah, and, and I think the real mark of how good Cheryl was as a broadcaster is that you really noticed when she wasn't there for those mm-hmm. uh, draws or events when she wasn't there. And I mean, with all due respect to Cheryl and to Team Scheidegger, uh, when she was subbing in for Casey there in uh, 2021, uh, I really wanted them to lose so that Cheryl could get back <laughs> into the booth because it really was noticeable uh, when she wasn't there. So. Uh, it, it is uh, certainly going to be a difficult job for whoever steps in. I, I really feel like they do need a third person in that booth. Uh, you know, Vic mm-hmm. and Russ on their own, I have no problem with them. Uh, and even together, they're fine. But having a buffer there uh, has, I think, been demonstrated to be useful uh, for, for them. So the question then leads to who is going to get that chair in the booth. And I tweeted this, Scott, lineup changes are fine. Who's playing with who? Who's going to go to the Olympics? Yeah, okay. We we can all get all excited about that. This change, whoever they decide, is going to have so much more of an effect on my enjoyment of curling than anything the teams on the ice could do. Like Of Of all the lineup shuffles, this is the one I care the most about, and it's not even close. Well, this this is every draw right this is this yeah is always in your living room whereas oh i might see the new team cooey you know once a day uh this team <laughs> this broadcast team is going to be all the time and it's going to be at every event uh yeah. going forward so uh it is important that they get it right but uh, i wouldn't rule out you know having a, a rotating chair for a year right we don't have yeah. to we have to crown somebody right away <laughs> Uh, so Sean, who's your, who's your guess? Who, who is, uh, coming in? This so is total the, guessing, by the way. We, yeah, we, we, we have absolutely no insight, uh, on who this is going to be. Part of this so is, I think, who we might, <laughs> part of this, I think, is who we want this to be or who we might want this to be. And, and I think when we're looking at that share, there's a couple of things to keep in mind. The, the one criticism that you might have of Cheryl relative to what the booth was with Vic and Russ, a little skip centric, an inability at times to look at the game from a non-skip perspective. So do you want somebody who isn't a skip? I I might say yes to that. I think Mm -hmm. one of the things that was great about great about Ray Turnbull is he wasn't a skip and he could certainly look at the strategy, but he had the perspective of a non-skip and then just in terms of banter he and linda of course linda being a skip would go back and forth a little bit about who's more important the front end or the the back end right so that 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 was fun uh and and just seeing this the game from different angles so I, i think that's part of it i think you want somebody who is personable the curling broadcast booth is very different from like football or hockey or basketball where action is always going there and you're always Mm -hmm. breaking down what's going on in curling. There's more storytelling. There's more banter. It's, it's more baseball like, and that there's Mm -hmm. time to fill where you can chat. Yeah. So you want somebody who's going to be comfortable. The chemistry is going to have to be there with Vic and with Russ. So with all of those factors in play, my mind initially went to Jill officer Uh, arguably the best second ever. She has some TV experience. And what makes it for me is that she 
was so good with the crowd through her career. Even during high pressure games, she would engage with the crowd. I remember Continental Cups when people would would have their headphones in and listening to the broadcast that she had a lot of fun with that. And she would really try to uh, egg on the crowd, engage with folks. Uh, So to me, that is who I initially thought of as a really good person who could fit into that booth. But but what's your thoughts? Yeah, honestly, yes. uh, she, She was the first one I thought of too. Obviously we've talked on this show before that Chelsea Carey would be amazing. She's very frank and has a lot of experience and is very, very knowledgeable in in the game, but she's still playing. So unfortunately, I don't think that's uh, going to happen. There was also another player who just retired or took a step back in Joanne Courtney, who's great on social media, which might be something that TSN is looking for, you know, to, to try and reel in some of the younger viewers. Yeah. I mean, Hey, she could do a push-up challenge against uh, Rux. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder that, who would win. <laughs> see how that goes. But like she, she is quite good on, uh, on TikTok and yeah. and Instagram. And, and that's not something that I think is important, but it, it is something that could be important to decision makers. How she was in the booth. Uh, I didn't really mind it during the Olympics. That was a really tough assignment being in a, you know, a booth sort of split. So you can't even see the people you're working with calling games remotely really tough. So I think, you know, she's got the skills that she could build up to being very, very, very good at that. Even if right now she's just good. So those are like the names that come to mind. I think I, I was thinking yesterday too, that, yeah, we have Vic and Russ and Mudrick and Kathy Gauthier is great, but as you said, you know, she, she's sort of great at what she does, and that's really hard to do, and that's probably harder to replace than just somebody else in the main booth. So, you know, she'll be getting some consideration for sure. But I, I was thinking, like, why why don't we have more female broadcasters that get brought into the curling stable that aren't necessarily ex players that could become come along and be the host, you know, once Vic retires and in theory, Mudrick becomes the main person. Although if he doesn't want to, then, you know, we're going to have a gap and like women's curling and men's curling are both equally exciting on TV to me. And just because it's been Vic, who's a legend, who's a man, why can't we get like a, um, an all female booth in there and not only for the women's games for the men's games too. I, I think it would be uh, yeah. refreshing. Yeah. Well, I, I think the answer to that question is that Vic got hired in 1970, whatever yeah, and hasn't, yeah. or 80, whatever, and hasn't left. And on the CBC side, it's the same thing. It's guys who did it in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And then uh, eventually it wasn't I right when you had the two Dons doing it. So, yeah. I, I mean, the 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 hiring of the people who are the main voices of curling are, and have been the main voices of curling date back to uh, a time when women weren't being considered for play-by-play positions and and no, those jobs haven't opened but yeah i i think it would be interesting and i don't know what mudrick would do if if he was presented with the choice of hey you can be the full-time like vic's retiring you can be the full-time curling guy the season of champions guy 
or you can stick with your uh, Canadians Canadians. uh, job. And, and maybe those two things could somehow coincide. I don't, I don't know if, if TSN has enough Canadians games that it would be an issue for him to go do uh, a few weeks of curling, but TSN has a full roster of really talented women broadcasters. You see them on the Raptors a lot. People like Kayla Gray, uh, for yeah. instance. Uh, Natasha Stanishevsky, I think, is gone uh, from TSN. Yeah. But uh, who am I thinking of? Uh, Kate Burness is another one uh, who's really mm-hmm. good. She hosts uh, the halftime now at the Raptors. Like, So th- there's a lot of women at TSN who could come in and potentially do play-by-play. I, I don't disagree. The question, though, is for the chair that's currently open, it, I think it does need to be a player uh, to come in. Uh, but do yeah, do you right. take yeah. do you take this opportunity to maybe rejig the entirety of what your broadcast team is? And do you have say if Mudrick is going to go do the Canadians? Then yeah, then do you bring in uh, a woman who then is in that position of this is the Vic's successor? Uh, if mm-hmm. Mudrick wants to go do hockey, then yeah, th- then that's a, an interesting discussion. And I really do think that Kathy Goche is the hardest job in television uh, of, of an on-person uh, individual because she has to be on TV for nine hours a day. That's yeah. so much time. And I know she's not active during the late two games for the whole thing, but she has to pay attention the whole time. She's got somebody yeah. in her ear. She's got to do the updates. Like Her job is really, really hard. And to ask somebody new to come in and say, hey, Kathy's going to go do the the Cheryl job. Now you come in and do the Kathy job. It'd be like, what? Uh-huh. What? <laughs> what? What? What do you want me to do? Wait, I have to get yeah. up at what What time do I have to get up? And I'm getting <laughs> back to the hotel. What? what? Huh? Like, huh? like yeah. I don't think. So like, that's, that's, that's a huge ask of somebody who sure. maybe is, is potentially never broadcasted before. Yeah. And, and like you say, we've, been to events I, even going just like going to watch exhausting. three games a day is exhausting so like you're right yeah. having the the added pressure of watching everything else and seeing what's interesting is really really hard i i think we should train somebody <laughs> to, to do that just for the sake of kathy's health but <laughs> uh but yeah i think uh it, i don't know uh I guess I got off on a tangent about having a, an all-female booth, and I think that would be pretty great. Yeah. Um, but for now, yeah, yeah, I think those three that we talked about, or I guess two, Jill Officer and Joanne Courtney, are are the ones. And then I, I think TSN would like Jennifer Jones uh, yeah. in the booth, right? And she's very good at TV as well. So whether she plays full-time or not with her new team i I think that's what tsn wants i mean it'll be interesting to see right because in a normal year tsn would have until the canada cup in december to figure this out they didn't have less time this year uh assuming it hasn't been formally announced but we we figure that they're going to be the ones broadcasting this uh single elimination tournament that's coming up in september so they don't have as much time and Vic is doing F1 stuff and Russ is, I don't know, whatever Russ does. I know he golfs. He's probably just golfing all summer. But you would think, too, that whoever they bring in, they would have them do a couple games like on tape, uh, even if they're not in the same room together. But just games that have already taken place 
and then they can and and work together as, as sort of simulate it in advance. So you don't have a lot of time to figure this out, uh, which mm-hmm. could lead to just Vic and Russ in September. And then if Team Jones slash Zacharias, if they don't make the Canada Cup, maybe, yeah, maybe then Jennifer Jones is there. And then mm-hmm. when you get to the Scotties, yeah, maybe it's a, a player from a team who doesn't qualify. Uh, and uh, and then at the, the Briar, you have a, a wider uh, option pool because uh, the women aren't yeah. playing at that time. So, so maybe that is what they do for the year and sort of test things out and see who has the best chemistry and who would want the job. But it's going to be interesting to watch. So we have Joe and Courtney. We have Jill Officer as the two. The, the, about Joe and Courtney, too, I would say t- CBC, and it's not really CBC's fault, but they didn't really do her any favors uh, during no. the Olympics. Uh, that she's doing games. She's never really done games uh, a lot in her career. She's doing them on a screen. She's doing them from Toronto. So it's the middle of the night uh, where she is. And I know they tried to adjust their body clock, but that's really hard to do uh, when you're not in that other place. And she's not in the same space with the other people. You know, like Mm -hmm. she's looking at Mike Harris through like prison glass and like touching like, like it's not like what are you what are we doing here so yeah you know I, I don't think that the cbc presentation during the olympics was particularly strong some of that and if not all of it is related to the circumstances they were under so i, I will forgive uh, a mm-hmm. lot of of what happened during the olympics so it'd be interesting to see what would happen in a, a situation where she's not learning on the fly with people who are also adapting to new situations. So everyone's learning on the fly. If she were to come in, she's coming into a very well-oiled machine and, uh, you know, who can support her probably better than the people at the CBC were in position to support her because they also had to adjust on the fly. Uh, Jill officer, I think maybe slightly more natural uh, from what we've seen over the years, but we'll have to see how it plays out. But let's talk about potentially some other names, Scott, because I've written down mm-hmm. a couple here of, of choices that might seem strange, a little off the wall, but who knows? Things can happen. Okay. I like to hear this. So the one you mentioned, Chelsea Carey, we of course would fully support Chelsea Carey. I don't think she's coming to the booth because uh, she's still playing, but mm-hmm. somebody who's not still playing, who I think would be great. I don't know if there's enough oxygen between Russ and Heather Nettowin. Oh yeah. 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 That would be great, Sean. You're right. You're right. That's uh that would be a lot of energy in the booth, yeah. which is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I, for everything I said, I, I do think it should be a front end player. Heather mm-hmm. Nettowin might be my exception to that. Uh, <laughs> Heather Nettowin is very energetic. Uh, she's always been great on the mic. Uh, very, a, a very charismatic person. The, the problem potentially would be, could she learn to not curse as much uh, <laughs> as she's broadcasting? Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Uh, another yeah. name that I wrote down here uh, from a very great uh, Kelly Scott teams, uh, Sasha Carter. I always thought was a very uh, energetic, fun player out there. Uh, someone who I don't think got enough credit for how good she was as a player, but also as good as she was as a TV personality, which we, you know, we talked about with Kirk Myers last year. So as a TV character of it, I always thought Sasha Carter was a good TV character. Hmm. 
Yeah, that should be very good too. And would bring that front end perspective. Uh, I like that one, Sean. I like that. And another one uh, from the sort of kind of retired ish, Marianne Arsenault, Uh, tons of experience, uh, Mm -hmm. really obviously a very successful career. And yes, she's been a skip for the past decade plus, but she does bring the front end experience as all of her world champions or world championships, excuse me, were with Colleen Jones in that very famous team in the early aughts. So I think someone like Marianne Arsenault. That could be a, a, an interesting possibility. Yeah, even uh, even Kim Kelly from the same uh, the same yeah. team would uh, be a lot of fun to have in the booth. So, yeah, those are some good names, Sean. Um, anybody else? No, those were the ones that I had written down okay. uh, that that initially came came to mind. It's interesting, Scott, to think like as I was thinking about this yesterday. Like, for as much as I love front end players, and I think front end players need more recognition and respect. It's hard to remember a lot of them <laughs> from like 20 years ago, right? Like, well, you're right, Sean. Uh, there's one that we did forget, and it's of course uh, Steph Mumford, Nee LeDrew. But she's playing. She's playing again. She's back on the team. Well, I, give her the contract. See how much. Uh, <laughs> she's good. I mean, she was pay. great when she did the juniors. Yeah, she she was really she's great. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. So come on back, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. The other one, I, pro- I mean, Don McEwen just retired, but she, you know this job involves talking on the mic, which is never, was never. I mean, Don Don McEwen in in the very few interactions I've had with Don McEwen, they've been very pleasant, uh, and and she certainly comes across as a wonderful uh, woman, but she never really seemed to seek out the limelight i think that's fair to say so i I don't know how much she would be interested in a broadcasting job i think she would be very very perceptive if she did it i think she'd have really good insights into the game uh because she really uh, seems like somebody who whenever she did talk during a game you'd be like oh yeah i I didn't notice that yeah like um and, and certainly in terms of the sweeping the strategy the runs in the ice like i, I think she'd be very good given all of her knowledge but again based off of her, her career as a as what we saw on tv I, I don't know if she'd want that to want to take that on yeah yeah sorry i was just looking at uh, steph's instagram and <laughs> she put out a, a little video about it uh about the announcement uh okay perhaps i can be of some assistance so there you go sean <laughs> all right uh, she she'd sign the sign the check and or sign the contract and take the money take the money and run that's what i say all right well um, there you go team english you need a new player <laughs> look out yeah uh so there you go so who did we miss who might you want to see and what is the most important to you as a television uh, personality could we see some poaching potentially from the sportsnet crew uh probably not but maybe <laughs> who knows joan mccusker i don't know that's really the only yeah. person they have. Uh, that's, the, that's the only full-time woman they have on the Sportsnet crew, right? Is Joan? Do they have another one? Yeah. I don't think they have another one. No. Um, yeah. So maybe. That's it. But probably not. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. There you go. So that's uh, our thoughts on the big change over at TSN Curling. Let us know who you might want to hear on the calls as we head into a new season of Champions. 
And as we say, we will also endeavor to learn more and more about what's going on in the United States. So uh, there you have it. A little uh, news from the news fairy here in the middle of July. As we thank you all for joining us, but that'll be it. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please do. Wherever you get your podcasts, who likes, ratings, comments, all that other good stuff. Helps other people find the show, keeps us growing. Head on over to GameStonespod.com. All of our past episodes under the podcast tab. Of course, we also have the merch. All proceeds to the Sandra Spurler Foundation and to Food Banks Canada. If you're watching or watching any of the clips from this, I'm wearing one of the t-shirts that are available on the site with proceeds to Food Banks Canada. We, of course, match those. And if you want to reach out, let us know what you want to hear on the show. Game of Stones pod at gmail.com, at Game of Stones pod, Instagram and Twitter, and Game of Stones podcast on Facebook. And I think that's going to be that. So, Scott, it's the middle of July. You saw Hamilton last week at the National Arts Center. I saw it last night also at the National Arts Center. And yes. uh, was it everything you dreamed it would be? Sean, it was really, really, really good. And uh, I thought all of the actors were great. Uh, we even saw an understudy playing Eliza. And I was like, whoa, if she's the understudy, what's the, what's the <laughs> main, main one like? She was so great. Yeah, I really loved it. And I haven't talked to you about your experience yet. So what did you think? Yeah, it was very good. Uh, certainly enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, a couple of sort of things here and there. Uh, I thought the guy yeah, that George it, Washington got a little operatic at points. And maybe not. Yeah, I, I would yeah. say the thing I liked the least was his beginning of One Last Time. Yeah, where that's it, where he got operatic. It's a, well, it's supposed to build, right? And so he's trying to keep it keep it quiet i guess or whatever but he's he does have a beautiful voice and it got there by the end yeah uh and i would just sort of wish that he had just done that the whole time but yeah and the, at the nac i don't know i, I think they did some repairs but re repairs some work on it during the pandemic but the sound for musicals have, has never been great yeah. for me uh it's either the the band is too loud or it's too quiet. And uh, we did have some microphones cut out at a couple points uh, in the show when we saw it. But I mean, overall, the, the cast was incredible and uh, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it wasn't as echoey as other uh, musicals I've seen in, in that theater. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, if, uh, if Hamilton comes to your town, get a chance to see it. Certainly worthwhile, I would say. Go see it. It definitely go see it. Yeah. So, uh, so there you go. Uh, that's our review of the touring company of Hamilton. Is uh, that'll do it for this week. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll be back with you again next week. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.